Jeff Diamond, what it's like for a new general manager and a new coach to actually take over and run their first camp. Let's find out from Jeff what he's going to be watching when camp starts next week. This is our last edition of Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider before camp actually starts. So, Jeff, let's just start there. Uh, What's the first thing you're going to look for when you walk out on the field next week? Yeah, I think uh, what's really going to be interesting to me, Jim, is – uh, first of all, what does this new offense under Kevin O'Connell look like? How different is it? We saw glimpses in OTAs and mini camp, but now they're going to really start kind of zeroing in on on what they want to do this season, and and they've got the the basics in the in the system now, and so now now it's more fine tuning everything in training camp, and everything leads up, of course to the opener against the Packers on September 11th. And then, and then what does this new defense under Ed, Ed Donatel, where I think it'll be more dramatic what we see in camp, because obviously they're going to a, a base 3-4 defense. We're going to see Daniil Hunter, Darius Smith standing up most of the time as outside edge rushers. And, and what does that look like? How big an adjustment is that for them when they're actually in full pads and having contact, even though they're not having as many full padded sessions we know compared to what they can have there in nine compared to the availability of 16 and the 49ers will be in here for two days of joint practices they'll have the three preseason games but I don't think we're going to see much of players such as Hunter and, and Zadarius Smith in preseason games at least I wouldn't put them out there because they need those guys healthy and so th- that's some of the stuff we're going to be looking at and then there are all these key position battles that we can talk more about next week after they've got a practice or two under their belt and the corner spots with Cam Dantzler and, and Andrew Booth Jr. and how healthy is, is Booth Jr., the right guard spot, what does Bradbury look like at center, the second safety position. There are a whole bunch of things to watch this year at camp, and I think it's going to be a fun camp in that regard because there's so much new and so much different but yet they've still got a lot of the same nucleus of, of top players. We have a lot to get to today. This, again, is Jeff Diamond's Vikings NFL Insider, starring the former Vikings general manager, the former NFL executive of the year. Our producer is Brian Burdett. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune, and this is TalkNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. Find all the shows and the archives at TalkNorth.com. We have the best sports lineup in town. Cheryl Reeve, Michael Russo, John Krasinski, John Millay, uh, Lavelle, Neil, Roy Smalley, the list goes on and on. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. Thanks to White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com, TSR Injury Law. And if you'd like to advertise with this show as things ramp up or with our other Viking show or any of our other sports shows, you can reach Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. Uh, so you were an assistant general manager. You worked your way up through the organization to become a general manager. You were around a lot of coaches who had to – try to become a, you know, a first-time head coach. What is the learning curve like in those positions, and how, how big a jump is it from being an assistant to being the person in charge? Yeah, I think sometimes it's very dramatic, as in the infamous Les Steckel year mm-hmm. when the team showed up at training camp in 1984, and 
and Les greeted them with an Ironman contest, <laughs> which was not real popular among the players. <laughs> and, and guys were falling by the wayside that day when they had this big, they had to run miles and miles and do all these drills. And, and Les wanted to see what kind of shape they were in and, and kind of establish a mentality of toughness and kind of backfired, unfortunately, uh, as that season unfolded. But then I've seen coaches come in new head coaches such as, such as Jerry Burns, who you couldn't tell the difference from a Bud Grant cab. <laughs> and so it's just kind of strange. Uh, I think when Denny Green came in, it was, it was a little different, but not that much different. And so, it, yeah, I think it's always fascinating to see new head coaches and, and new GMs. And, but I, I don't think we're going to see much dramatic out, out, of, out of Quasi Adolfo Mensa at training camp. I think he's had this opportunity to put the stamp on – on the team in the off season with some free agent signings, such as Zadarius Smith and Harrison Phillips and, and Jordan Hicks, the inside linebacker. And, and so now it really becomes kind of turned over to the coaches, get the job done, coach these guys up. And as we said, there's, there's so many interesting position battles are going to happen. And one of them, I, I didn't mention initially the, the first round pick Lewis scene at safety Will he hold off Cam Bynum, uh, the veteran coming back in his second year, who showed some good stuff last year when he played uh, when Harrison Smith was out with COVID? So I think there are a ton of interesting things to watch in camp. And and the new coaching staff will be first and foremost to see how, how they're reacting out there. Let's get to some specifics here. We'll go back to big picture NFC North type talk here in a minute. Uh, Justin Jefferson recently said he expects to be the best receiver in the league. I, I certainly think there's nothing wrong with putting yourself out there and giving yourself high standards, but how, how realistic is that given there are so many great receivers in the league right now? Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's that unrealistic, honestly, when you look at O'Connell coming from the Rams where, where he had Cooper cup and it was Sean McVay calling the shots there, but, but Kevin O'Connell certainly saw how they moved Cooper Cup around and got him in good matchups, which we saw in whatever was week 15 or 14 against the Vikings when they had Cooper Cup going against Mackenzie Alexander in a key third down and a big completion. I, I think in that regard, it I think the the prospects for, for JJ to have a huge year are immense. And and I do think it's great when players act and play with great confidence as, as Justin does. And he's clearly in that mode. Oftentimes, I've always said, hey, it's best to let, let your play do the talking. But but I'm OK with a player publicly saying that they believe they're a top player and maybe the best receiver, as long as they're not disparaging other players in the process. And he did say he, he did say, hey, Devontae Adams is the best right now. Uh, he didn't really talk about Cooper Cup, but he said Devontae is the best right now. But I'm pretty sure after this year, it's going to be me. And. Yeah, that he also recognized that he has to do it another year, that he said three years in a row for everybody to believe and that he's working on his game, that he loves the new offense. And so those things are all positive. And so I, I, I have no problem with the, the comments that Justin Jefferson made. And I'm sure the, the Vikings and the coaching staff hope that he backs it all up. Actually, this leads to a question I was going to say for later in the show, though. Uh, now that Devontae Adams is out of the division, and excluding Aaron Rodgers, who obviously is a Hall of Fame quarterback, who's the best player in the division right now other than Rodgers? 
Ooh, that's that's a good question. And I think that there are a lot of candidates that the Packers have some really good defensive players and and they've got a an all pro left tackle coming back from injury in Bakhtiari. Uh, I think the Vikings have as many elite players as the Packers right now. The big difference, of course, being Rodgers as one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, whereas Kirk Cousins is probably a top 12 quarterback, shall we say. And, but yeah, you look at, at the Vikings and hey, Dalvin Cook could have a huge year. Jefferson could have a huge year. Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith could be the best pair of a bookend pass rushers in the league. So it's hard to say who's the best player in the league, in the division. A couple of years ago, you might've said it was Khalil Mack, but he's gone too. <laughs> and so it's just, uh, it have to see how it all plays out over time. But, but yeah, I guess going in, you say it's Rogers other than Rogers, who knows? Maybe it is Jefferson. Yeah, it very well could be. We could be saying that, you know, a month into the season, no doubt about it. Hey, Kyle Rudolph goes to the Bucks. Obviously, he goes there after Rob Gronkowski says he's going to stay retired. Uh, is Kyle? Do you think Kyle is depth there, or do you think he can play a bigger role? Yeah, I think that uh, Kyle, he's not the guy that he was at whatever he is, age 32 or so now. And But I do think it's a good opportunity for him, and he kind of kind of fits that mold of, of uh of what Gronk brought even though Gronk may be the best tight end of all time but big physical <clears throat> can block can also get find the holes in the, in the defense and coverage make plays now he's coming off a, a so-so year at the Giants he only had 26 catches and one touchdown last year but I think with Brady there he'll have a good opportunity and even though I'm not totally convinced that Gronk is done, <laughs> if if things don't pan out really well early on for the Bucks and 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 Gronk gets the itch maybe in September October, but he's he's being pretty adamant about it so far. So it, it's a I think it's a good signing for Tampa Bay to bring in a veteran guy like Kyle Rudolph to play on a veteran team and play with with Brady. And I think that for Kyle, it could be a great opportunity to maybe get a Super Bowl ring. Who knows? Yeah, and the great thing about playing with Tom Brady is if you're a veteran receiver and you know how to just, you know, barely get open, Brady's going to get you the ball. It's a great, it's a great, uh, you know, it's a great place to be if you maybe you're not as explosive as you used to be, but you know, you know how to get open, you know how to use your body. Brady will make best best use of you. Yeah, I think that's definitely true, and and he he is an accurate guy and maybe his downfield passing isn't as great as it was but but intermediate stuff yeah I think he'll he'll get he'll get the ball uh to Kyle and Cam Braid is the other tight tight end there and and so I think it's a good opportunity for him and and I think Kyle's a good guy he was great in the community here he still is great in the community here um was a leader here and I'm, I'm happy for him to have this opportunity I want to ask about Kyler Murray, Jim Marshall, Deshaun Watson, and the division as a whole, what your view is going in. But right now, let's uh, hear about White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always happy to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, and my great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell. They're fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, 
WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. You'll see 0% APR on most GMC and Buick SUV models, including the stylish Encore GX. Check out the all-new next-generation GMC Sierra 1500. Reserve yours now and explore the GMC Sierra HD. Don't wait. Reserve your all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV. The Wiper Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7%, 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in Wiper Lake or online at wiperlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Thanks also to TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time. If you are injured, you want their help. They will not charge you unless they win your case. They win lots of cases. That's why they moved into beautiful new offices down in South Bloomington. Uh, they have gone from a one-room office to uh, floors, beautiful floors, great views of the lakes, because they're good at what they do. They're good people. They will take good care of you, 612 TSR Time. All right. Is this the year Jim Marshall, or in the next year, is, could Jim Marshall actually finally make it to the Hall of Fame? Well, I, I certainly hope so. Uh, I love Jim Marshall. He was a great person for me to deal with early and work with early in my career as a young front, front office guy with the Vikings um, and always involved with community events here, kind, funny, not egocentric. So I'm cheering hard for him to receive a long overdue honor. And... Jim, there are 19 former Viking players enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And to me, it's a travesty that Jim Marshall has not yet joined this group. And defensive captain here, true team leader of those dominant Viking teams in the 60s and 70s, and an incredible Ironman, played 282 consecutive games as a defensive end. You got to think about that, which is 58 more than the next closest defensive lineman in NFL history. Wow. And he played at a high level with 130.5 unofficial sacks because sacks didn't become an official stat until 1982, which I think has kind of hurt his candidacy in the past. And he had 30 career fumble recoveries, fumble recovery second all time to Rod Woodson. Jim Marshall is a Hall of Famer, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and where he is right now is it, he is a semifinalist among the seniors group uh, there's 25 semifinals that are going to be considered. That list will be narrowed to 12 July 27th and cut up to three uh, in August for final consideration where he would need 80% of the vote come next Super Bowl to get in. And, and I, I hope he makes it. He deserves it. I agree with you. Uh, he was a great player. And as you said, he was I don't think there are 19 former Vikings who are better than Jim Marshall. I, think, I mean, not, not that you would want to bump somebody else out, but if, you're, if you were choosing the 19 best Vikings in history, Jim Marshall would be one of them. Yeah, definitely true. And the first time I saw Bud Grant ever cry <laughs> was when he was talking about Jim Marshall retiring at the end of whatever was the 79 season. And, uh, and, I, and that was just really amazing because you didn't expect that from Bud. I, I saw it when he got inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, too, and, and saw the emotion that can come out of Bud. But that was the first time I saw it when he was talking about Jim Marshall. Wow. Uh, what did you think of the Kyler Murray contract? Yeah, it's just amazing to me, Jim, what has happened to the quarterback market. 
in the in the four years since Kirk Cousins signed here at at the twenty eight million a year, which for a minute he he was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL and was quickly surpassed, and and now Kirk is making thirty five million a year, and, and there are, oh god a half a dozen to ten guys that are making more than him, starting with Aaron Rodgers at at fifty million a year, and you got Mahomes and and Watson's ridiculous deal in Cleveland. And now Kyler Murray signs for a little bit more than Watson's deal. And if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't won a playoff game yet, right? Nope. <laughs> and so I, I just think the Cardinals obviously felt pressured to do this deal. And I, I just don't know that we've seen enough great production. The Cardinals started, what, 10-2 and two last year and then kind of faded down the stretch, including Murray fading down the stretch. And so it's kind of like Lamar Jackson's situation in Baltimore, and you don't see Baltimore offering this kind of money, or I think Lamar would have signed by now. And and so, again, Lamar Jackson, whatever his, he's one in three in, in career playoff games and has had some real clunkers in the postseason, but certainly is, is an incredible athlete, incredible player. And I think Kyler Murray falls in that category. To me, this is more of a, betting on the come deal with Kyler Murray. And I just don't see why you would have to pay him that kind of money. And you think about a guy like Josh Allen, only a year ago signs for 43 a year. And now he's third on the list. And, and or he was third when he signed behind Rodgers and, and Mahomes. And now he's fifth. And Josh Allen maybe the best quarterback in the league right now, who knows? <laughs> it's just the quarterback market is, is insane. And so I guess the Vikings can think Kirk Cousins looks like more of a bargain these days at 35 million a year. <laughs> it's crazy, but you're right. And, and that's the question is, uh, you know, the, the Kyler Murray, I, I mean, I agree with you, of course, this is crazy money to pay somebody this unaccomplished at this point of his career. But, you know, maybe three years from now, we'll look back and if Murray develops properly, it'll be a bargain. I mean, it, it that that is the thing about salaries is they're always shocking when they come out and they all get surpassed so quickly. Yeah, it is. But but, but to me, it, it, it really is so surprising how the, how the quarterback market has exploded so much compared to other positions. Now, there have been uh, the receiver market also has exploded in the last couple of years. And we, we know Justin Jefferson is on the cusp with another big year to, to get a huge extension. But this these quarterbacks, wow, they're they are getting paid big, big, big money. And but there's also big pressure to produce. And so we'll see with with Mr. Murray. He, he's on he's under a lot of pressure in Arizona now. No doubt about it. Uh now, it sounded like uh, the Browns are signing Josh Rosen. Is that a sign to you that uh, Sean Watson is facing a lengthy suspension? Yeah, I think that, I think that's, there's a little doubt about that. And, and we know it'll be appealed, and, but the league is pretty well known that they want to do at least the, the one-year sus- suspension. And, and then the NFLPA and Watson will, will appeal and try to knock it down. And Watson's making noise that he may even go to, to a federal court on it and so it's going to be a little bit ugly with how that all unfolds and makes things very difficult for Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland to manage that situation, whether it's going to be Jacoby Brissett or they had Josh Dobbs there as a backup. And now 
Josh Rosen comes in with a very unimpressive first first few years in the NFL for the 10th overall pick. And maybe they think they can get it out of them. But I think this is going to be a, a, a real mess in Cleveland this year. They've got some talent in that football team. But this is such a sideshow and such a distraction, this whole Watson deal. Yeah, I can't imagine the Browns being good this year. I think it's I think it's a disaster. Uh, if Stefanski didn't push for Deshaun Watson, I feel for him. If he did push for him, then he's getting what he deserves, frankly, even, even though we like Kevin. All right, now let's get to the division. Once again, thank you to White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com, and TSR Injury Law 612, excuse me, 612 TSR Time. Uh, thanks again to our producer, Brian Burdett. All right, so how are you looking about at the division right now? Uh, and, you know, let's kind of almost start bottom up. Our, the Lions only won three games last year, but they did have flashes, and they did play some good teams tough, and they did seem to improve toward the end of the year. Was that a mirage, or is that is this a team that actually could, could do something this year? I don't see them as necessarily a playoff contender this year. I do see them making a – a jump from three thirteen and one to somewhere in the seven and ten range, and I think that they finished three and three last year. I think they've got a good vibe with a, a fiery head coach and Dan Campbell. I think Campbell's got them believing that their talent is is on the upswing, and I think it is. And to me, I I, I think they they should surpass the Bears this year, who are in rebuild mode, and. I think adding Aiden Hutchinson, number two overall pick, as a, he can make an immediate impact at defensive end. Uh, Jameson Williams, the, the wide receiver coming from Alabama, he's coming off a torn ACL, so maybe midseason before he's ready, but he's going to give them that deep threat for Jared Goff. And again, I think Goff is the big question mark. Uh, can he play well enough? He, he's, he's got his sporting cast has improved. He has been a Super Bowl quarterback in the past. And he looked pretty good when he beat the Vikings last year, unfortunately for Minnesota, in that terrible game that, that probably cost the Vikings the, the playoffs. I think Detroit's better. I think they're improved. And, but I don't, I don't think they're a playoff contender yet. I do think the Lions might be better than the Bears. I think the Bears uh, are in a difficult position where they're, it's like Justin Fields is their whole team and he isn't there yet. No, I, I agree. I, I think that Justin Fields, obviously his development is going to be critical, and they've got a new head coach in, in Eberflus, a new offensive coordinator in Luke Getze, who came from the Packers and has never called plays before, which Kevin O'Connell hasn't either in that regard. But, but I think the Bears' offensive line and skilled players are just not very impressive at this point, and I think that makes it tough for Fields to make that big jump and avoid the turnovers that were so costly to him last year. And so, and then you lose Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks off that defense. They've still got Roquan Smith. They've, they've got some good players, but I, I just think the Bears are in rebuild mode. And, and they look like the, they were 6-11 and 11 last year. They may be fortunate to get to that this year. Yeah, I agree with you completely. All right, now the interesting part of the division, the top two teams, uh, Packers lose Devontae Adams, but obviously they've been the class of the division in recent years, and they still have Aaron Rodgers, the Vikings' new coach, new general manager, uh, intriguing influx of new players. Whatever you thought of their draft, they ended up with some pretty good talent. Uh, 
you know, who, who do you like right now if you had to pick the division? I, I still I, I still would pick the Packers. Now, they won the North by five games last year mm-hmm. over, over the Vikings, who were second. And I think the race will be closer this year because I think the Vikings are going to be improved with, with the new coaching staff and with the new system. Uh, and, I, and, and I think with, with their skilled players and obviously the key for the Vikings is to keep Hunter and Zadarius Smith healthy and Irv Smith Jr. is another guy they got to keep healthy. And then it's going to depend on how Cousins plays in critical situations. But I, I think the Packers losing Adams, losing Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think that clearly diminishes their offense. Uh, Bakhtiari is coming off the ACL tear. If he's back, that certainly helps solidify the offensive line. And Jair Alexander missed 13 games last year corner, and he's an all-pro. If he's back, that makes them better. They also drafted those two first-rounders on defense, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt. I think their defense could be really good, and their offense, I think, could be good enough. So, to me, I, I see the Packers as maybe about a 12-win team. And I, I do think, Jim, that it could come down – the division could come down to when the Vikings go to go to Green Bay on New Year's Day. I think the Vikings can be within striking range, and I think that's when the Packers will eventually clinch the division. And I think so much of it depends on how do the Vikings do in this opener against Green Bay. I think they have a decent chance to win this game while the Packers are trying to break in the, this new core of receivers and and some new defensive guys. I think the Packers will get better and stronger as the season goes on kind of like they did last year. They got throttled, uh, throttled in the opener, thrashed, shall we say, by the Saints. Remember that game, 38? Mm-hmm. And we all thought, whoa, the Packers are going down. And it didn't turn out that way, of course. <clears throat> so, uh, to me, Green Bay, I, I see them 12-5. and five. I see the Vikings as a playoff team. I think they're going to be 10-7. and seven. I think they have a favorable schedule with the nine home games and only seven true road games, and that's, neutral site game in London. I think that's a big advantage for them. Uh, and I think the way the schedule breaks out, as we've talked about in the past, I think the Vikings are going to win 10 games. But again, if, if they don't keep Hunter and Smith healthy and the rest of their core players like Dalvin Cook, Jefferson, then it's going to be tough. So got to stay healthy, got to adapt to these new offenses and defenses quickly and be ready to roll week one. Boy, I agree with you. I, I would pick the Packers to be about a t- 11 or 12 win team. I think the Vikings are about a 9 or 10 win team, which means that it's going to be close when they go to, to uh, Lambeau Field. I'll be at that game. I'm looking forward to Vikings season. It's always interesting, as you know. It's always dramatic, no matter what. Uh, and I think this year is going to be really fascinating. So uh, let's go to Jeff for a final thought. Once again, thank you to White Bear Lake Superstore. Thanks to TSR Injury Law. Thanks to our producer, Brianne Burdett. And thank you all for listening to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. What's your final thought, Jeff? Well, first, my final thought is you better bundle up on New Year's Day in Lambeau Field. I always do. Yep. Uh, My other thought thought is with training camp opening, and I always always think back to my my days going to Mankato uh, for so many years, and it's so different training camp now with – with fans in the stands and teams holding training camp at their home facilities, such as the Vikings, Will and Egan. And and I was kind of doing a little run through of the, of the training camps around the league. And I, I saw only six NFL teams now leave their home city for training camp and only four go to colleges, Buffalo, Carolina, 
Kansas City and Pittsburgh. And Indianapolis goes about 45 minutes away to a, uh, some kind of park. And, and the Cowboys travel out to Oxnard, California, because it's too hot in Dallas this time of year. But only six teams leave their home city compared to when I first started in the league. Everybody went away to a college for training camp. So it's a lot different these days and probably for the better because one of my great joys when I went to Tennessee was that we held training camp in Nashville at our home facility. I thought this is this is fantastic compared to all the years I had to leave town. Yeah, my first training camp was Thousand Oaks, California with the Dallas Cowboys and that was and that was Jimmy Johnson, that was Lee Steinberg negotiating Troy Aikman's contract. That was that was quite a way to break in for a young uh, NFL writer and of course I enjoyed my time in Mankato, but Honestly, I think I think training in a great facility and letting people sleep in their own beds is probably the way to go. Yeah, I definitely agree. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Brianne. And we'll talk to you next week.